Hey everyone, welcome back to the Gary V Audio Experience. Once again, I'm Jacob from Team Gary, and today is going to be the first episode of our best podcasts of 2022. Today, we have a keynote that Gary gave in San Diego at the beginning of the year. There's still a ton of value for you going into 2023 here. We really hope you enjoy it. If you did, tweet Gary at Gary V. Make sure you join the Discord. Comment down below on Spotify, and we'll see you in the new year. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. San Diego, how are we? It is so nice to be here. It is nice to be back on stage, and it's nice to see human beings in real life. Thank you, thank you so much for the warm welcome. Um, <laughs> um, there's so many things I want to get to before we get into the Q&A, so let me just get right into it. I think um, one of the great things about COVID is it breaks your patterns, right? Something that monumental, obviously there's so many things that are challenging and difficult and obviously devastating, uh, but when you're able to make it to the other side of a war or a pandemic or a challenging time in one's life, there, what was specific about this pandemic was it gave you time to kind of slow down, even if you were panicking up front, which is what I was doing. You know, literally within the first couple of days of the shutdown, four of our top five clients emailed us and said, we're not going to be paying you for a while. And the way I build my company is for top-line growth. I'm incredibly not incentivized for profit, which means we're running on very tight margin. So not getting paid uh, is always a challenge. And then on top of everything else, Vayner's size was very, very unique in that we were not small enough and not big enough. So we got $0.0 from anybody. And so we had to navigate. And after all that was done, and what is the framework of so much of what I'm thinking about now started to emerge. And you know, the reality is, is that I can sit here knowing this industry extremely well, knowing the enormity of the advantage of this room because there's so many immigrants in the room and that intro is absolutely true. Life is about understanding the alternative. It's really hard to complain about what milk was put in your Starbucks when you came from the fucking dirt. <laughs> so, so, you know, there's a lot that we don't need to touch on in this room. I could talk about what I think you should be doing from a content standpoint, because the reality is, I promise you, the number one variable of growing your business in this room that is practical, achievable, doable, is how serious you take making content on the internet. It's that simple. No matter what anybody in this room says to me of why no, because they've never started and they have an ideology or because they've made 45 posts on Instagram and haven't sold anything yet, no matter what your excuse is, I promise you, social media is not broken in that story. You're the one that's broken. There is ungodly amounts of homes being sold. There's ungodly amounts of B2B commercial real estate transactions happening by people that know how to make content on LinkedIn and run an ad and see it. But it's about doing it right. 
right? When people hear me say, you should be doing LinkedIn, how many people here are in the commercial side or, or are thinking from a B2B standpoint more than a B2C standpoint? Raise your hands, right? Raise it high, don't be scared, it's okay. I don't know what the fuck you're doing, sir, but is that, are, are you in both? There we go. But, you know, <laughs> jazz hands, it's not, pretty hands. Um, it was funny, last week someone's like, Gary, my, you've been talking about LinkedIn and he showed me the posts and he's like, it's not working. And in the post, I'm talking about making content in the feed of LinkedIn knowing who you're trying to reach, running ads against the employees of those organizations for content in the feed. And then I ask him what he's doing and he's spamming people by paying 100 bucks a month for a script that just emails people on LinkedIn. That little story is something I think about every day. The ROI, I like to say, of a basketball is billions of dollars for LeBron James. It's zero for me. How one plays with the tools is the variable of success. And so we can get into the mindset, very much the intro, which was lovely, thank you, and in depth. I, I do believe that the far majority of what is the opportunity in this room or the limitation sits in two very simple categories. One's uncomfortably black and white, and one is remarkably gray. The black and white is what I just started with. Until you start making dozens of videos, pictures, and written articles a week, you will continue to leave an extraordinary amount of money on the table, and somebody sitting next to you is gonna do it and take your market share, and I don't care if you've been the queen of that city for 30 years and work on your reputation, slowly but surely you will lose, because that's what always happens in business. If that wasn't the case, IBM would still be winning. I, I love this industry, and I love OGs, because my dad's an OG, shit, I'm, I started so young, I'm an OG, like, I love OG life, and it is absolutely building on reputation, but I love when an agent says to me, dear, you don't get it, I dominate this town for the last 30 years, I'm like, dear, you don't get it. You don't get it, much bigger companies than you have gone out of business with fucking audacity, and it is audacity in 2022, it is, it is only, and this is very clear, if you're sitting in the crowd and you're not doing this work, it's only two things, and they're both interesting. One is audacity. You're audacious that what you did in 1993 or 2001 or 2007 is enough for you to dominate 2022, or you've lost your ambition, which is okay. I don't think of that as a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing that you're not as hungry. Maybe you've scratched your itch. Maybe you do want to do other parts in your life. But look, don't lie to yourself. And understand yourself on where you are in your journey. 2022 is going to be a remarkable opportunity for this room. The question is very simple though. Who's going to actually put in the 30 hours of work starting today to actually know how to do pictures and videos and written words on these platforms and who's not? And it becomes a very simple game. 
It's a black and white prescriptive game. Either you're good at it or you're not. No different than basketball. The other part is very different. It's gray. I think people are incredibly confused when it comes to business. I think people think that money motivates people. And of course it does. Until it doesn't. Right? I think people think that fear is a good way to go about things. And it works, we see it all the time. Until it doesn't. I I think it is time, as we go into 2022, for the leaders in here trying to motivate their team. Do you know know how many emails I get every day or direct messages that look like this? Gary, love your content. Real quick. (laughs) How do I get these fucking millennials to work? And it pisses me off every time. It pisses me off because the leader only has one move. The leader that is shitting on their team has one move, the way they grew up. Things change. The audacity to think that everybody should be motivated by the same thing that you're motivated by is ludicrous. You can't ask somebody who's from different circumstances than you to want the same things you want. And so when I see that email, they think I'm gonna love it because I'm the work hard guy and all. They think, but what they're walking into is a buzzsaw. And occasionally I'm in the mood to write back, hey Sally, (laughs) let me ask you, have you even had a conversation with them of what they do like? Are you just making assumptions? We, we need to have a very big conversation in the business world about how much kindness, compassion, empathy are the superpowers of business. People don't think so. When I talk about kindness and I talk about it a lot, my favorite email is like, title, all caps, Gary, you're wrong. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> I open it up. You don't get it, Gary. You talk about kindness, I'm always kind and everybody takes advantage of me and walks all over me. And I reply, hey Rick. (laughs) Maybe you're manipulating the situation because you want somebody to walk all over you a little bit because you're actually subconsciously trying to create leverage. Because let me promise you one thing about actual kindness if you're confused by the definition. Actual kindness means giving without expectation. And I believe in business, what is very clear to me is people think kindness and they use kindness, but what it really is is a slight version of manipulation. You're doing something with thinking something else is gonna happen. You're referring because you think you're gonna, and it's all good. It's nice to maybe think, but don't confuse that with kindness. That's called strategy. Don't say you're kind. Say you're throwing out reels and trying to hope it returns. Own what it actually is. So I think we're going through a really interesting transformation. I think that the world historically changes when communication changes. When the books were written in the world, this is a long time ago, we're going into some history lessons, 
because the churches wrote 70% of all the books when the printing press was invented is the reason why religion is such a force in our society, right? The reason things change is when the medium changes. Books came along, things changed. Radio came along, things changed. Television came along, things changed. This internet thing is now at scale. And now we are at a mature state where things have changed. And we all feel it in culture and politics. Things are different because the medium has changed. And we have a new medium in the blockchain that is building while the internet is getting into its maturity. We have NFTs right now. Some of you who follow me know what I'm doing there. But what, you, but what some of the people in this room may not realize is that the blockchain and NFT is gonna take over all contracts. Anybody sitting in the middle will not make any money for sitting in the middle. There's no reason for a processing fee. These are non-custodial situations. There's no need for a bank fee. There's no need for a processing fee. Things are changing, my friends. And whether you like it or not, it will change. I was at a conference like this many years ago and I had just invested in Uber. And it was the Taxi and Limo National Convention. (laughs) So I'm giving my talk and I finally throw it out there. And as you can imagine, the room wasn't thrilled with me. But it was a discussion. And all I saw, all I saw was question after question, statement after statement that was why it wasn't going to work. And all of the answers were regulation. Gary, this is not gonna work because we're gonna pay the politicians off. Similar to how I hear car dealerships and car people talk about Tesla or direct-to-consumer. I promise you, when technology is coming along, hoping for regulation is always going to be a bad strategy. My favorite is everybody who hates big government because they're an entrepreneur, but then when something comes along and fucks you up, you love the government, don't you? (laughs) So when the blockchain comes and starts taking out fees, you better shut your fucking mouth in this room. And notice how few claps just happened. (laughs) Why do I bring that up right now? Not to razz, not to scare, because I want you to do the 50 hours of homework so you can innovate. What blows my mind is people's inability to put in the work in the face of information. All of you know that this blockchain thing is brewing. You've definitely heard about Bitcoin at this point. You've probably maybe heard of Ethereum. It's happening and it's gonna affect this industry soonest. This is the book industry for the internet. The blockchain is contracts. Please understand that. Please, it's a very important thing. Please spend 15 hours Googling Ethereum and smart contracts. Get educated, not to play defense, but to play offense. You do 15 to 30 hours of homework, you might just change your career. You might shift slightly in what you're doing now to something else. It's a remarkable time and one thing I know about an immigrant-centric reality is it's not scared to put in the work. But before you're done clapping, 
and I really know this statement, it likes to pick which work it wants to do. People don't like change. And change is the only guarantee. And this industry is in the face of massive change. What the blockchain eventually will do is change the face of what brokerages, leverages in the ecosystem. Right now is the time to build your personal brand on the internet, and I mean right now. How you do that can be totally different. You don't need to be over the top or curse like me. You need to be you. I'm me, you be you. But what you need to do is start producing content to educate people on who you are. If you're uncomfortable with the way you look and you want, don't want to be on video, then do audio and do a podcast. If you're not sure that you can handle the camera, then write on LinkedIn or Facebook. If you feel more comfortable being the hostess with the mostest, start a Facebook group regionally within your area. One of the greatest arbitrages in this industry right now is starting a Facebook group for the local area where you sell around the town, not around selling homes, bringing people in, building community, and then just happening to be the person that's hosting that group and picking up the business. These are the black and white tactics available to you. How you build your team and how much empathy you have for the consumer on the other side is the other variable. But the opportunity is staggering. It is staggering. The speed in which people are changing what they consume, which then dictates what they think, which then dictates how they buy, is at a level we've never seen before. I come here, fly across the country and fly back for one reason, to put so much pressure on this room to do the homework. To do the homework. I mean it. The, the, the opportunity is so real. You are literally one, one, because I'm on the receiving end of these messages. You're one viral TikTok video away from selling 13 homes because of it. And you don't go in there and start doing the latest dance. You're trying to sell homes. <laughs> I mean, you're more than welcome to shake your ass, fine, but, <laughs> but, it's a lot more interesting to talk about what you want to talk about, but making it contextual to the room. People say no so much. Face, excuse me, TikTok's fastest growing demo is 38 to 55 year olds. You can still think it's 12 year olds. It hasn't been 12 year olds for two years. That's the game of no versus the game of yes. That's the game of staying curious. The biggest, biggest vulnerability to people in business today trying to sell to human beings is their unbelievable calmness and interest in saying the word no and their visceral reaction to the idea of maybe. The innovation that we're living through is big. The opportunity is even bigger. But this requires homework. Before you decide that content on social media can't sell for you, did you really do the 20 hours of homework and the 50 hours of you doing it? It doesn't count when you have your niece do six posts for you. <laughs> this world is reading about push-ups instead of doing them. I wish, actually, that's not even, that's actually not even true. 
I wish this was a game of people reading about push-ups and not doing it. We're not even reading about push-ups. We're dismissing push-ups before we even read about them. I ask you and implore you here today, my friends, to open up your heart to curiosity, to open up your eyes to the reality of what's happening in our society and how people are making their decisions, and to shed your preconceived notions and start putting in the work. For a lot of us, me included, it was easy to put in the hard labor, right? It was easy to put in the work. It's much more challenging to figure out the new technologies. The problem is the world doesn't care about you and me. The world's gonna do what the world does. And the way people are gonna make buying decisions are gonna be based on the people they see here, period. End of story. And if you're not showing up here in 2022, you're not showing up. It may feel good for you to see your picture on a billboard. You might like it. (laughs) But now you're servicing your ego instead of your wallet. Thank you. I think, thank you. I, th- I, 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 <laughs> I love you back. I think we, I think we should go into Q and A. I'd like to get into some detailed stuff. I, please, please. Thank you so much, Gary. You're welcome. Greatly appreciate it. And I'd like to first say, on behalf of NARREP and everybody in the crowd, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I think it's safe to say that in your 20 minutes, you dropped quite a few great bombs <laughs> that I think could help the group. So let's get to some Q&A. Please. You know, you talked a lot about some of the pressure to do the homework, things of that nature. What are some innovations that you think that can help with the homework for these folks? This talk, this talk that I wanted to give today is, you don't need an innovation. You don't need a robot. This is not about AR. This is not about an algorithm. This is a very simple business conversation. If you wanna sell things, it's a good idea to make it easier for people to buy from you. And so the innovation is the mindset. The innovation is going home now and deciding what you just saw in this talk and saying, is he right or is he wrong? Mm -hmm. And if you find yourself saying, he's right, but I don't want to, I really mean this, that's okay. But then you have to be honest with yourself of where you are in your career, whether that means maybe doing something else because you don't have fire for it, or being content which is a beautiful thing if you're content, but you have to be aware that this is all happening around you. I I don't have to tell this room how much innovation is going on in this space. You've got the biggest technology companies in the world interested in your money. (laughs) Some of you are worried about Bob because he's got four billboards. Amazon's much scarier than fucking Bob. And so I don't come here to be crass. I apologize, I haven't been on stage in a while. I had some cursing, I wanted to get out of it. This crew, this crew, immigrants, this this crowd can handle it. I know. 
I don't come here to razz. I hope you understand all my energy so far is pure love. I'm just worried. I'm worried. I know what's happening. I know what the big tech companies are doing. I know what's happening with blockchain. I know what's happening with the 20 year olds that everybody makes fun of who are picking up incredible market share from a lot of you because they're actually being seen on social. They may not know the fucking business yet and you love making fun of them for that. I got bad news for you. That, they'll figure out. Yeah, no, that's, that's. (laughs) May need to take a pause on that one. (laughs) (laughs) People make fun of things until they don't. Everybody made fun of the Kardashians until they didn't. Everybody made fun of Tesla until they didn't. Everybody made fun of my pictures until they sold for a million dollars today on Christie's. Congratulations. People love to make fun of things. And what I'm worried about is this room's too successful. That's a great Success is the beginning of the end. So. And what success leads to is judgment of what's coming up. So you sit around and you're like, ah, look what she's doing on Twitter, but she doesn't even know. That part's the commodity. The commodity is how to do it. They'll learn that. What's not the commodity is the ability to get in front of people. If it was a commodity, all of you would have a million followers. So, I mean, we're talking about success here, and we're talking a lot about the, you know, the evolution of business that you've been talking about. How do they evolve in times of success because how it creates complacency? You know, this is why I love the immigrant story so much. I, I always say that no rich kid can be, beat an immigrant because it's really, really, really hard to be hungry when you're always fed. Right? The problem in the arena, it's not a problem. It's actually the greatest American dream story. The problem is when the hungry kid is eventually fed, sometimes that hunger also goes away. Most of the time. That's fine. That's actually beautiful. My problem is this. This is, it's a very narrow part of this story I'm telling. My problem is when you become a hypocrite. Right? When what you did got you there, now you're there and you're looking down on people who are just doing something that you did to get there. How do you keep yourself so humble? by not paying attention to what anybody else is doing. So for me, for me, humility comes easy for a couple reasons. One, I won the DNA crapshoot. It's just a natural trait. Two, it's true, I'm just, you know, it's it's just, I've never, I've never had a moment in my life where I've thought I was better than somebody else. Uh. In my life, ever. And I've done a lot of shit. (laughs) I just like playing my game. Even when you were saying to buy the New York Jets, I was smirking. Even my New York Jets thing is not fully understood. I 
love trying to buy the Jets? Uh, the sport. The sport. I'm curious on how good am I. I don't need it. It is not my validation. I don't need to flex it. I'm just so into trying. So, you know, the other thing is I believe that the world is abundant. Even if you're in a neighborhood going elbow to elbow to somebody else and you're the two top sellers in a neighborhood, you could extend your neighborhood. You could. You know, people start focusing so much on or and I'm obsessed with and, right? And so it's very easy for me to be happy because I don't think anybody's taking anything out of my mouth. I'm obsessed with accountability. Every single thing that is wrong in my life is 100% my fault. Mm -hmm. And you know, those are the ways I see the world. Good parenting, good circumstances. What are some of those? You know, you've, you've spoken candidly about your parents and the meticulous upbringing. What are some of the things they taught you that now even get you to sit here and give back in such a fashion? My, I think gratitude is the reason I give back. I think the single reason I want to put out all the content and do things like, uh, I'm very compensated for a speech like this, but no longer does that make financial sense to me in my business world. It's just amazing to be here with all of you. I love it. Why? Because I know how I communicate. I know that I come here with an agenda. And that agenda is to suffocate one person in this room's bullshit (laughs) with the hope that it's exactly what they needed to go do something so that in four years they could send me an email and say I was in San Diego in 2021 and I thought I was hot shit but then you fucking got me and then I got my shit together. Then I got my shit together and now my family's so much better. Life And that feeling for me is better than even when I'm winning. So my, my selfishness is my selflessness. It's fun for me. I'm already good. You know, it's very easy to give when you're fulfilled. Sure. Right? And so for me, what happened? A, my family heritage was crazy fucked up. My mom lost her mom at five. My dad lost his dad at 16. We lived in the Soviet Union. A lot of people don't know this. I didn't realize how many people don't know this. You weren't allowed to leave the country. The country was a prison from 1918 to 1990. A prison. You weren't allowed to leave. Leave. Everybody spent time in jail because the government owned everything. Cuba and Venezuela are a fucking vacation compared to the Soviet Union in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. So, you know, here I am, we left in 78, I'm three years, I'm growing up in America, but, and this is gonna really hit for this room, I'm growing up in America, but am I really? Because in my four walls, it's fucking Russia. <laughs> right? But, but, but I have both, right? So in the house, all I'm hearing every Friday night and on the weekends is the stories of the old country and it's a disaster and I'm out here drinking Coca-Cola and watching Mickey Mouse. And so, very quickly, I'm just thankful. I'm just grateful. And so, gratitude was big. 
the, the other thing they taught me was, it, the story looked like this. Sixth grade, Nintendo explodes, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mom, Nintendo. And she's like, good, go get it. <laughs> and so, you know, that framework gets you serious about lemonade and washing cars and shoveling snow. And so my parents taught me a level of work ethic that I would, in hindsight, at 45, say is, was probably too extreme. The three of us talk about it a lot. I think all of us collectively look at each other and say, maybe we took it to 130. 100 would have been fine. 80 would have been fine. We lived in 130. I worked, from the time I was 14, I worked every weekend and every summer vacation day of my life. All of them. Like when people hear it, I don't think they understand. All of them. Not like kind of. You know, like you meet people, they're like, they helped out in their family business every day. I was a terrible student. My parents sat me down at 14 and they're like, you're not going to Harvard, so you're gonna work every day. (laughs) And so, so work ethic was taught. And then I had such a gift of communicating that my father really, really impacted my life because he has no tolerance for lying. And I had an incredible ability to manipulate everyone on earth. (laughs) (laughs) And when you're young and you realize you have gift of gab, you have no idea how to fully function with it, right? And so my dad really helped me because I was so scared of him. And for my father, embellishing or slight exaggeration was like a death blow. He keeps it so straight and that really helped me a lot. I, I, I think about that a lot. I was gifted with so many things but I, it really worked out for me on how they parented me. But, I, but it all comes down to gratitude. When I tell you the only thing on earth I care about is the health of my family, it is the only thing I care about. Everything I do in business is a game. I don't give a shit. I fuck money, fuck all of it, health. And, 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 and when you really believe it, when you really believe it, not on stage, we clap, it's nice. No, no, people that really know me, when you really believe it, you know what happens? This much pressure at work. Mental health. My mental health yeah. is fucking the greatest of all time because at least, you know, in the scheme of things, from a business standpoint, when you genuinely mean what I just said, you don't have bad days. You have bad days because you're worried about money. That's what it is. You have bad days because you're worried about the money. And when you don't worry about the money, not because you have it or you don't, I feel the same way. I made, I sold five pictures today at Christie's auction that made me more money than I made from being 22 to 34 years old in my career combined. Wow, nice. That's. That's not a humble brag, that's a, but I was exactly the same way I am right now at 30, at 26. It was just always the game. And I, I promise you, this is the big, you know, we talk a lot about inclusion in our society, thank God, finally, right? And we, we've, we've been attacking a lot of things in this country the last 20 years. Sexism, racism, immigration, many, many things that we all know. The one thing we are not talking enough about in America is ageism. We love making fun of 70 year olds who don't know how to use TikTok. Meanwhile, those fuckers understand life. There's a lot of wisdom. 
There's a lot of wisdom. A lot of wisdom. And so the reason I brought that up is, you want to get happier? Go hang out with 90-year-olds and really listen to what they talk about. You'll realize real fast, most things mean nothing. And once you realize most things mean nothing, losing a deal means nothing. I mean, speaking about... And speaking about you know losing and, and starting all over, just out of curiosity, when you had said that you know Russia was pretty much locked down till 1990, how did you and your parents get out? In 19, this is crazy. In 1978. I in, mean, because that's like 19, the zone of pressure. In 1970 or 71 or maybe even 72, this is how you want to talk about gratitude. 16, I think, Russians tried to hijack a, a plane and fly out of Leningrad to Sweden to escape the country, and they got caught by the KGB, and for some reason, I don't know the full details, it became an international story. Israel got involved, Spain got involved, America got involved, and it created a big hoopla, and the Soviet Union was starting to feel the effects of putting all their money into the military and were starting to run out of resources and needed other things from other countries, so the pressure got to them, so they decided to let a small group of a couple hundred thousand Jewish Russians out of the country, and we were fucking lucky. Wow. Wow. That's, um... And so I sit here, you want to talk about humility? I sit here listening to stories from my mom and dad about my grandfathers who I never got to know and how entrepreneurial they were and both of them for their incredible entrepreneurial DNA got to spend 10 years in jail and I get clapping and being on the cover of magazines. Why'd they spend it in jail? Because in the Soviet Union, the government owns everything. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the entire country's run on the black market. Meanwhile, the people that end up going to jail, ironically, are always Jews. So there was a lot of persecution there, there was, with the Jewish. Uh, I came to America on political persecution, political gotcha. asylum. So, you know, I'm just so grateful, and and that's the thing that I comes across for the people that follow me on the content. The jokes I make about crying about a six dollar coffee, I believe it. People get upset. You go, you're at the airport. Everyone's upset. and I'm sitting there and I'm like these people can afford a plane ticket these people are about to go into a machine that flies in the air and takes you somewhere else that shit used to take six weeks on a horse (laughs) right like like I I sit there right like I'm on a plane and listen I have so much work to do when the Wi-Fi doesn't work on the flight that's like me getting shot by a bullet it hurts but I'm not gonna yell at a human being people are so hurting inside people are so insecure people want to prove something to everybody else besides themselves people want to keep up with the Joneses spending money on shit they can't afford to impress people they don't even like (laughs) when they should just like themselves yeah. This, this, this is why I want to use my platform in popularity in business to talk about kindness. We get people to like themselves, something very funny can happen in the world. Something very funny can happen. When you feel good, ironically, you don't want to waste your time trying to make somebody else feel bad. Many, many people, when I talk about what I talk about with content, 
They don't want to do it because they get negative comments. I always try to explain to them, the only feeling I have when people say, I'm a scam artist, I stink, I got lucky, whatever they want to say, the only thing that goes through my mind is deep, utter compassion. The thought, the thought, the thought that I would spend a minute to look at your account and try to make you feel bad because I want to tear you down because I'm not in a good place literally sounds like the most difficult life to live in the world. Sounds pretty miserable. And so when people are like, my feelings are hurt, your feelings shouldn't be hurt when someone says you're stupid or you don't know what you're doing or you're ugly. You should be feeling bad for them. And you know, you, you talk about humility and, and a lot of your story, just my own curiosity on this one. Uh, you know, people that have followed your story and, and everything about you know, the wine library and everything. Who was that collector when you were 17 years old that really sounds like it had an inflection point that changed your life by getting you the Cayman wine? The Camus wine? Yeah. Oh, you, oh wow, I'm sorry, that story. So. My, my parents, I just told you, dragged me into the liquor store. This is devastating to me because my dad not only makes me work 15 hours a day on Saturday, he pays me two bucks an hour. <laughs> Tough to argue with these Russian gangsters, you know? <laughs> so, so what was really difficult about that was I had already started my baseball card business and so I went from being 13, 14 years old doing a baseball card show in the mall and making $900, $1,000. Like, like, you know, it, $900 when you're 13 in 1989 is like a billion. You know, like, I was rolling. And, and, and now it's two bucks an hour. And in the beginning, how many people, raise your hand, have seen the movie The Goonies? Raise your hand. So in The Goonies, you might remember the character Sloth, right, who was chained to the basement. That was me for two years. I would walk into the store and my dad's like, go to the basement. And I would be in the basement of the liquor store bagging and making ice for eight hours, 10 hours with some 19-year-old kid who hated my dad and it sucked. (laughs) So I hated it the first year or two. And then finally, at 16, I was allowed to go upstairs and something changed my life. I was stocking shelves and somebody walked in and he asked for Camus Cabernet and I said, we don't have it. And some, I don't, you know, it's a long time ago, but somehow I was like, why do you want that so bad? Because he was disappointed or something. And he said, oh, I collect wine. And that was it. That one sentence. The fact that I was able, because I, even though I hated working at the store, I really wanted to give back to my family. And I knew I also, even at that age, I knew I had something. I knew I was good. And so now that I was able to figure out that people collected wine, I figured, oh, okay, I'm gonna, the, all, everything I learned about sports, I'm gonna learn about wine, and that's how I built one of the biggest wine stores in the country. It was based on collectors. Of course, we sold day-to-day wine that everybody here buys, but I had customers spending 500,000 to $2 million a year on their wine collections. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Talk about a rate of return. You know, let's, you know, because I think it'll be very good for the crowd. Let's pivot to your, your book that's coming up, uh, 12 and a half 
it, it obviously lists a lot of these emotional intelligence skills that I believe are going to be very important for everybody, and you've, you've talked about some of them. How do you write these books in your mind, three, four ahead of time? How does that start perceiving it? What's that process like? You know, it's really funny. I think the biggest thing that people don't realize about my career is I spend almost all my time listening, not talking, which seems insane because I'm so good at what I'm trying to get you to do, which is talking all the time on the internet. I'm producing so much content on so many platforms, but the reality is all of it comes from listening. And so the books write themselves. What ends up happening is after a while, my subconscious becomes my conscious <laughs> and I realize people are talking about something. And, you know, I've always knew, I, how many people here have read one of my books? Raise your hand. Thank you. Um, the first book I read, wrote is similar to someone's first album, right? It's like your life, you had to write it. And I knew it was special and nobody knew who I was and it put me on the map. I've had some really good books in between that I'm incredibly proud of, but this is the first book that I've written that looks like that one. And it's because it's the first time I've been able to really get more feelings on paper. And I just knew that it was time for us to talk about things like curiosity. I talked about curiosity with you today in not such a specific way. If you're not curious, you're not gonna find the thing that puts you on the offense. Curiosity is an incredibly important trait in business, one that nobody talks about. We, as a society, try to kill curiosity after the age of six. School eliminates it, society eliminates it, and so I knew I wanted to talk about that. I knew I wanted to talk about accountability. I, I started realizing, like I'm just reading and reading, comment, comment, comment. I am just shocked how easy it is for people to blame other people. <laughs> it's just a disease. It's a disease. And so I think accountability, you can do anything. Yeah. I mean, to the max level. When people are upset about politics, I'm like, move to Sweden. You can do anything. You can, you can do anything. You can get out of a relationship. You can change your career. You can do anything. But if you don't have the humility to take a step backwards, you can't do shit. Wow. So a lot of people don't like what they do, but the money they make keeps their engine going and they don't have the humility to turn in their Lexus and get a Ford. They don't have the humility to sell their home and rent an apartment to get out of unhappiness. We lack that. We lack the ability to take one step backwards for three steps forward. I spent, thank you ladies. <laughs> now the crowd's gonna I, <laughs> I spent the ages of 22 to 34 years old, patience. Big, big part of my book. Yeah. A lot of you, who here is under 35 and consumes my content? Raise your hand. So all of you are probably sick and tired of me talking about patience, but you're looking at somebody who worked 15 hours a day, seven days a week from 22 to 34 and built a business from three to 65 million for his parents and left with nothing. Wow. 
So how do you think I feel when I tell a 27-year-old you got time when I literally started VaynerMedia when I was 34 years old in the conference room of another company because I couldn't even afford to pay rent? So I think people struggle with things. I think most of society's rules are based on when people live to 50. Of course you're supposed to have your life figured out at 30 when everyone dies at 47. (laughs) But now that we're living to 90, I'm not as stressed if you don't have it all figured out at 30. (laughs) And and I mean that, it's it's important. People get really anxious. You know how many people here are very anxious at numbers? Well, 40's this and 50's that and 30, I mean, you give me a 26-year-old who's like sad that they don't have their life figured out and <laughs> it, it breaks my heart. I'm like, you shouldn't. As life, all of life's rules make no sense. 20 to 30, you should do nothing logical. <laughs> I'm being serious, I'm not saying go and like, that's when you have high risk tolerance. At 24, you can live with seven friends and eat dog shit food 24 hours a day. But no, after 22 you have to have your life figured out and get the job and your career and it's like the whole game is broken. The propaganda of college fucked up everybody. <laughs> college, college had a very solid ROI in 1979 but now these kids are going into debt, coming out and who's got a job for them? I don't give a fuck if you went to NC State or UCLA. Fuck you, CLA. (laughs) I I mean, there's definitely a lot of unlearning that's got to get done in this world. We have to unlearn the rules of society because the rules were written a hundred years ago and they don't make any sense for today. Period. I mean, we're telling these kids that you gotta get, go to college and they're, I mean, you should see the, t- the messages I get on TikTok. Hey Gary, hey Ron, <laughs> I need your help. Yes, Ronnie? So my parents are yelling at me to go to college to get a real job, but I'm making $80,000 a year on brand deals on TikTok, what do I do? Ronnie, tell your parents to go fuck themselves. Yeah. Parents definitely aren't listening. Parents are not listening. Because humans live for other people's opinions. Ronnie's parents are telling Ronnie to go to college because they worry about the judgment of their friends. And not Ronnie's best interest. Parents treat kids like assets. They want to put a sticker on the back of their car. UCLA. It's bullshit. And by the way, while we're shitting on the parents, the the 27 year olds in here, if you take one dollar from your parents, they should tell you what the fuck to do. Do they own that kindness? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that like, I'm just tired of the emails that come in and say like, I'm mad at my mom and this and that and the first question and I'm like, that, like, your parents have no say if they don't pay for your Uber and your Equinox, so stop taking the handout and live your life if you're such a big, tough fucking guy. 
I just really struggle with that narrative, right? And I think, so, so it, that's what's happening in society. It goes both ways, and it's the same thing in business, right? Bringing it back, because we're going very ma- macro. Bringing it back, you should be losing business if you're not making content for social media. And what really scares me, because I see it, my sister's now in real estate, so I pay attention a lot, because I love her with all my heart. People are losing, but they don't see it. See, the thing that I hate about sales in this kind of environment is sometimes you're losing market share, but it hasn't caught up to you yet. So you're still transacting because you have relationships, but you're not feeding new consumers, and then eventually it just falls. So it's like poison, you know, like that gas that like, you don't realize it's in your house and then you just die. A lot of people here... <laughs> I failed science. <laughs> I have no idea what it's called. Um, that, that, that's what I'm worried about for a lot of people here. I can see it, because this is what I do for a living. A lot of people are losing market share to people that are out-marketing them. They haven't fully felt it in sales yet, but they will, and the problem is, once it starts, it's hard to pick it back up. That you're, you're, you talk it's, about. you're aging up. You're losing the pipeline. You know? How many people here are retiring in the next 10 years? And real quick, before you raise your hand, I don't mean that you're gonna go crazy next year and buy a yacht. I mean you're old and you're finished. <laughs> you, <laughs> you guys look way too good for that. <laughs> 10 years, 10 years ago, nothing we talk about existed. Do you know how fast technology is working? Four seconds ago, TikTok was for eight-year-old girls. Now it is legitimately one of the most important platforms to do business on, right? 10 years ago, TikTok was only for recruiting, excuse me, LinkedIn was only for recruiting. Now it looks like Facebook. 10 years ago, we didn't watch things on Netflix or Hulu or Apple TV or HBO Max. Now we don't watch television. Billboards are up 12% in cost over the last decade. Meanwhile, everybody who's driving in a car that's not the driver is looking at their phone. So how can the billboard be worth the same? And oh, by the way, on the record, half the people that are driving are looking at their phone. (laughs) People fall in love with what got them there What got you there is always the thing that also makes you vulnerable. You talk a lot about, that's right, let them clap. You know, you talk a lot about legacy and I know that that's real important uh, to the crowd and you know, for this country. What are some of the things you've taught your children about wealth building, being successful and just being, having humility? So my, my kids, you know, isn't, our, incredi- our family is built on kindness. So there's a lot of compassion. But the problem, and I'm sure a lot of parents here, especially if they've come from my similar situations, right? It's you can't fake environment. My children are wealthy. You know, like I see other wealthy parents send their kids to like Guatemala to build a house for a week and they think that that's gonna do anything. Right? They check a box. You can't fake environment. So what we focus on is kindness, right? 
You, 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 can't, what, you can't talk them into understanding how lucky they are. You can't. You can keep it as a constant conversation. I think that's incredibly proper. But all of you know, all of you know, you can go back to when you were 7, 12, 15. You can't feel it. Remember, remember what you heard about it, it for the parents in this room. Remember what they told you it was going to feel like when you had kids and how much you were going to love them? You understood the concept, but you didn't know what it felt until you felt it. And so to try to get children to like, for me to say to my, I say it to my son all the time, like you got more sports cards today than I got in my entire life. He's like, that's cool. Like, you know, like, like, you, know, <laughs> like you can't fake environments. So what I focus on is what you can actually control. People try to fight reality with words that don't land. I try to focus on ins- what I'm really proud of. My son is off to a very hot start in baseball. He, does, he doesn't realize in two years his lack of size, speed, and athleticism is gonna catch up. You never know, they may grow, you never know. I know, but, <laughs> but right now, just like me and my brother, he's got the, the thing that we both had, which is remarkable over-the-top hand-eye coordination and uncanny knowledge of the game and good instincts, and so he's dominant. He drilled this pitch the other day and it crushed the coach pitcher, like in the ribs. Ooh. And he starts running and he stops halfway and he asks the coach if he's okay instead of running it out and making the play. That might be the proudest I've ever been in my life. Yeah. Because, because, because he's empathetic, he's compassionate. He cries every day just like I did because he's got so much good feelings. I think that's what parents have to look at. I don't think you can tell your kids that it was hard for you and you lived in a studio, but like, they don't give a shit. (laughs) But what you can do is focus on a couple things. I will say this, this is something that I'm, you ask me how my books are read, I've got a doozy brewing in my head that I hope I put out one day. I am now completely convinced, and this is not a new idea, I'm just, I don't think anything I've ever done is a new idea, I think it's just looking at it from a slightly different, angle and communicating it in a slightly different way. What I can promise you, and this is for employees too, and for everybody, what, what you commend somebody on is what they become. So one thing that I think is very important is I think that I am nice today and wanna be this super nice business warrior because my mother always cheered when I was nice to people. When I would open the door, I mean, I vividly remember opening the door for an elderly lady when I was eight years old at McDonald's and you would have thought that I won the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> she made it such a big deal. And I think if, you, if your child, one of the biggest reasons so few people are entrepreneurs is because parents focus on giving kids accolades on grades in school which only trains them to become workers. No EQ? It's not an EQ thing. Plenty of good students have good EQ. It's training your child when they're a young animal that you get validation by somebody else who makes a subjective opinion every 30 days, which is exactly how you become an employee. Right? So if you, if you, if you are, 
if you were fortunate to, I mean, this is a fortunate thing, I think we haven't gotten to beauty privilege in society yet, but it's, you wanna talk about real privilege? Look how handsome and gorgeous people live life, right? If you have a child like that and you are reaffirming their outward appearance, they will become incredibly insecure later in their life. Money in the bank. If, the, if one believes that their validation comes from their physical appearance, they become vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? If sports is what is their validation, when they can't get to the highest levels, it becomes a demise. So I think what we need to focus on, both for children and definitely for employees, which is why I think we have great culture, focus on people that show humanity. Cheer kindness. I want to build the greatest and largest and most successful entrepreneurial career of all time. Of all time. However, I have consistently kept people around me who are B's and C's in their skill set but are A plus human beings because A plus human beings with B minus skills always beat A plus talent with C minus personality. Attitude. Spirit fingers? Is that what y'all want, spirit fingers? Many, 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 many leaders' biggest vulnerability in the room is that the best salesperson on their team is a dick face and they haven't fired them yet. Many. Because when you're in a sales business, it's hard to take off that number. What they don't realize is that number is actually affecting all nine other people's numbers and if you eliminate that, the other eight will make up for it and then some. But do you have the courage to fire your top earner even though they're undermining everybody else? Do you have that courage? Do you have the humility to take a step back for a year and do less revenue because you had a fire, asshole, Arnie? <laughs> do, you have, do you have the stomach and the fire in your belly still when you fire asshole Artie, you might have to get back on the field and carry shit for six months or do you like golfing so much now? (laughs) These are the questions that we have to ask ourselves. Well, um, I think it's safe to say that we could probably be here for hours (laughs) with you. And definitely drop let's, a lot of information. I, I see we're wrapping up, but let's sneak one more in. No, I, no, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, what would it. you like to leave the lasting impression to help these people improve? This, right this second. Because of where the internet and the blockchain are technology-wise, and no matter what the world tells you from social media to mainstream media, with everything going on in the backdrop of a pandemic and tension politically and things of that nature, let there be no confusion. Because I was a terrible student except for one class. I got A's and B's in history. And I never understood why. And then I got older and started understanding I was an anthropologist, it was psych, and I knew that I used history to understand it repeated itself. Everything that's happening in NFT land, do you know how ironic my day is today? My art, which we reference, outsold Andy Warhol and Jackson Pollock and all this crazy ass shit. And everyone's losing their mind mad at me that are in the art world. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I have read 
unlimited amounts of work about how Jackson Pollock and Andy Warhol and those people were considered not art in the 50s and 60s and 70s. They were the, what I'm doing. So for me, when I'm getting that negativity, I'm laughing at the hypocrisy because the people that they're putting on a pedestal live that same exact life in the 50s and 60s. Wow. So for me, what I'm about to say is very true. There is never, and I mean never, been a better time to be a human being and alive than right this second. It's the truth. People talk about it used to be simpler. You're gonna be blown away. You can make it really simple. I love how people are like, I hate this stuff. Then throw your phone away. (laughs) I mean it. You are fundamentally in control. You just are. And so what I wanna say is we should stop talking out of our ass. And that'll help. And what I mean by that is People talk a lot and complain about a lot of stuff, but I want to remind you, the only people you're tricking are the people you don't want to be tricking. And the only people that are listening are the people that love you the most or also are interested in then you listening to them complain. And so I just want this room to understand your industry is going to have craziness for the next half decade. Do you know how much money this country printed? We printed so much goddamn money in the last two years. All of it's gonna trickle down. There's gonna be tons going on in your world, but there's an incredible amount of innovation and opportunity going on. And this next half decade is gonna be one big story of the winners and losers of all this innovation. My great preference is that you take the motivation, the, the, the intrigue of this conversation tonight, and decide to really dig in deep to what's actually happening in the world of communication because communication dictates everything and communication is happening on your phone. And if you can become a good storyteller in those environments and you take the, uh, the gray, the emotional stuff we just talked about the last 30 minutes, how to be a good leader, how to be a good friend, how to be a good person, you combined the details of how to win on the internet and content and the details of how to be the best human you can be, I promise you, you will be flabbergasted by the opportunities that will come in front of you. Well, unfortunately it's come time. Uh, I will tell everybody in the crowd, if you are not part of uh, Gary's text community, please, you'll always get great text messages that come here out. Here it is, ready? I'll give you the time. number. You ready? All right, here it goes. Here we go. Ready to just text hello and I'll text back 212, there it is, <laughs> 931-5731. I appreciate it. I really like doing it. You know, yeah. I know a lot of you are on it. I'm really trying to reply. I literally get 20,000 a day and I get to do like 17, so the math isn't very pretty. Um, but it is definitely the place where I, I like it, especially the random text. That, like, I, you, you know, they hit at great times. I mean, it's, they couldn't be It's just better. the best feeling. Like I'll be like in a meeting, I'm like, and I'll just grab my phone, I'm like, I just want to say this to everybody. And it's really just the stuff we talked about. And you know, I know that I'm the byproduct of nine things my mom said between five and 14 that shaped my life, and I'm very passionate of giving that back to the world. 
Well, Gary, thank you. Thank you on behalf of everybody. Thank you on everything. I know the audience is extremely grateful, and I think this is more things to come, and you've definitely enlightened and lifted up the culture here. Thank you so much, Gary.